What did you mean about learning laundromats? I've always wanted to have a laundromat. When things were going down the tubes in New York City, I was like, what am I gonna do? So I said, okay, maybe I'll start buying laundromats. When the markets crumble, that's when you start really thinking, okay, what am I gonna do? I was gonna start buying Brooklyn Queens. I was gonna start looking for buildings with tax liens. That was the idea. We're in Houston right now, walking our new 56 crazy property here. It starts down there. We got a lot of billion dollar man. Welcome back to the Talk Shop Podcast. Today we have a very, very unique guest. He was mentioned on our last podcast with Justin and Haley. His name's David Shorenstein. He owns Hildreth, Hildreth, Hildreth Capital Partners. Hildreth Real Estate Advisors. Hildreth Real Estate Advisors. They bought over 50 buildings since inception a couple years ago, and they've got $70 million closed and under contract in 2022. I've heard great things about this guy since the day I came into the business. One of my good friends actually just invested with you, which we briefly talked about. Um, and and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to have this guest on. In, in company news, in Avgi news, we're heading to St. Louis tomorrow morning. We have 14 projects going on out there. We're working on wrapping up the 138 in Houston right now, 138 units, and we're scaling out of state a lot. I, uh, I'm having a tough time competing with guys like David Shorenstein over here. David, please introduce yourself. Hi, um, David Shorenstein. Thank you for having me. I've been a big fan of yours uh, since I heard about you a couple years ago. I, I, I really didn't take it seriously, but now like you look at you're all over the place. Um, so for myself, uh, I've been in the real estate business uh, since I got out of college in 2003, started as a commercial broker, and then... Um, Spent a number of years doing that, learning the business, and started uh, par- purchasing properties 2007, 2008, went through a couple of different partnerships, and um, started Hildreth Real Estate Advisors in 2018. Purchased in my career almost uh, 300 buildings wow. at this point, um, all usually single one-off deals from long-term owners, um, and had a number of exits along the way. So you were buying in Manhattan before you came to the island, right? And you're still buying in Manhattan now. Uh, I started buying in Manhattan. I started brokering in Manhattan and uh, Brooklyn, and then started buying um, in Manhattan in a partnership with uh, an, a partner of mine that was ten years older. Okay. So I was like the young guy, like you. How old at the were time. you then? I was twenty-five. Okay. And I went to him. I said, you know, let's invest some of your family's money into some properties that I found because I was like always cold calling you know my nickname was the hurricane i'd be cold calling people busting my ass trying to uncover opportunities whether for brokerage and then i said you know let's start trying to buy some stuff and zeroed in on lower east side found uh, a portfolio these people i think built the buildings in you know the early 1900s and there was a family dispute and we met with them they liked us Gave us a contract. It was a fifteen million dollar deal wow so my older partner at the time he was 35 borrowed some money from his family. We bought the properties and really learned how to operate these rent regulated properties. I put in like a few hundred grand. He put in, you know, millions at the time. And then we syndicated half of the buildings out to a guy that owns like a couple thousand units. So really learned how to operate these buildings, what that meant, you know, buying out rent stabilized tenants, renovating. And uh, then the market crashed in 07. And uh, my partner at the time, you know, you know who your real friends are when the market crashes, you know, he just had a freak out and uh, decided to leave our brokerage business 
and then just really wanted to make his career managing the six buildings with his family's money. You know, okay. he said he wanted to make that his like full time career. That's great. And uh, well, that was it was the best thing that happened to me because it set me free to go on to do the next thing, which was create Silvershore, where we bought I don't know 150, 160 buildings over a 10 year period. It started with a building in Jamaica Queens that was ninety thousand dollars, then a building wow. in Bed Stuy that was two ninety in like two thousand nine. And then bought a building in Manhattan um, for one two, and then I sold it for three two. Wow! Like within a year, uh, didn't really know what I was with debt. Uh, yeah, I've got like ninety percent financing, ten so percent. Crazy multiple on that property. Crazy multiple. Uh, that was the first time I syndicated a property to a couple of um, investors, and with the money that I made, was able to buy six more properties, all with ten thirty ones. Wow! So uh, that really was the start of the business. That and flipping contracts um, gave us the money to invest in direct mail, and we built up uh, a huge uh, acquisition team, kind of something something that I do now and something you do, going direct to sellers. So we were mailing 30, 40, 50, 60,000 direct pieces of mail every month, and that's how we really built that business to buy all those buildings was the direct mail, hiring acquisitions people, and... Um, you know, learning how to really work these buildings, which I which I did. You know, you would buy a building, buy out some tenants, renovate. Re, you, at those times, you could refi, pull cash out, or even sell them for much higher. And then uh, once 2015, 16 happened, that was the height of the market. Laws started changing. Started selling the whole as much of the portfolio as I could. Sold a big package for 100 million wow. in 2018 to uh, Michael Shaw and then got rid of pretty much every building by 2019 I was out of so right before the rent regulation laws kicked in you sold all your buildings right Uh, I knew in 15 I saw the the writing on the wall in 15 we actually put the half the portfolio on the market in 2016 and there wasn't even one buyer out there because people knew the laws were changing it wasn't a secret that they were putting restrictions on um, how you could buy out tenants how you could approach them in 2016, 17, and you know, markets started changing, and the laws started changing. Tenant advocacy advocacy groups started forming all over these, you know, gentrifying areas. Yeah, you know, where I was in the Bed Stuy's, the Ridgewoods, you know, these really hot areas. And then uh, everyone knew about the impending law change, so no one wanted to buy into those really into those headwinds. So uh, it was just time to get out of that and get into uh, Hildreth, which really started with um, workforce retail shopping centers. Started buying those on my own in 2017, 2018. Taught myself that business because I never owned a shopping center. And um, said, can I really build a syndication business kind of similar to the business I had before? And investors, I think, like cash flow and getting their checks every quarter. And I've been able to now ramp up to a number of shopping centers. How's that work with your investors? What type of corporate structure do you guys have? Um, we have a GP LP structure. So GPs put in a certain percentage, LPs put in the rest, and then there's a waterfall structure where the uh, LPs would get a certain um, return, and above after their return and they get their money back, then then it's split with the the GPs. Usually a profit share split. What's the pref? Usually around six to nine. Is the okay. average depending on the deal and split 70 30 70 30 30 to the gp 70 to the lp yeah after they get their money back and so the standard stuff standard stuff um 
you know, it's just like it's it's negotiation. It depends how good the deal is. Yeah. It depends a lot of right now. You know, the market is um, people are scared to I think invest right now. Um, oh know, my god, for, which, for sure. Which is where things are. You know, it's just this is this is where we're at in the cycle. But it could create for people like us, you know, great opportunities. I, I see uh, good things happening for opportunistic buyers in the next uh, let's call it three six months. Yeah, I think people will be uh, scared here. I think so. It's been slow the last couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your motto is uh, gives you more control, but you have to go out and do more work on the raise. Right. Yes. My motto is like easier on the raise, less control, you know. Uh, I mean, we've done it both ways. Now, um, in at Hildreth, you know, we have people that are 50% partners and have control and they raise the money. So there's no... Um, Oh, like you have a co-GP? On some deals, yes. That was something I didn't do back in the day. But uh, now I, I appreciate the structure where you have people that it might have more experience, construction experience, money raising experience. They lend different things to the uh, the partnership. You know, some days you could wake up and say, oh, they're getting half of everything you do and you're doing all the work. But you know what? If they're bringing something invaluable like the construction or the money... You know, it Correct. makes sense. It makes sense to partner up, and we do that now. So we there's no one way to 100%. do the deal. There could be a million different ways to do the deal. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why we spoke the other day about that industrial project. Maybe we'll take it down together. We'll be taking it down together, but I will guarantee you there'll be another person involved <laughs> because it's a very big uh, deal. Yep. And I'm not going to say I'm going to bring in all the money myself. We will have another person as well, but you know what? It's better to do the deal that way than maybe not do the deal. Yeah, correct. You want to get deals to the closing table. You want to get it to the closing table. Some uh, more experts involved, whoever that may be, it, it'll be great. So, How did you get connected with my friend David? That Lapsky. Uh, you know, this is something that I do, that I always do. I, I go to events. Um, we were at a, a tennis event, I think, a UJA tennis event. Okay, he's good at and, tennis. And uh, he's very, very good at tennis, uh, as am I. I love to play tennis. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I love to play tennis. Do you know uh, Johnny Weiss? No. No, he's also a nasty tennis what player. Do, what does he do? Is City he... guy, he's a uh, real estate. Okay. Um, so I met him at the tennis event and uh, just started talking, told me he sold his business and was looking to invest. He actually mentioned he was looking to invest and we just uh, kept in contact. It was pretty quick. I, I like it that way. You know, yeah. he took leap of faith. Um, he was traveling a lot. You know, you got to pin, pin people down sometimes and show them what's good for them. Such a good guy, isn't <laughs> yeah, he? Yeah, really nice guy. You yeah. know, I think he's uh, very happy. You know, he's already uh, about to make money in first one of the three uh, deals. I saw. I was supposed to buy one of those deals. The one in Wheatley Heights. That's the uh, Motor Parkway. No, no. Another one you have. What's that out of the street? Uh, straight Path. Straight Path. Oh, that was the one. From Desmond. Desmond. Desmond yes. brought you guys yes. that deal. Yair got that one for Desmond. So yeah. Yeah, I got my own Israeli assassin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yair. Yair from where? You Saref. Yair Saref. Do I know him? He's my guy. That's my Long Island guy. Oh, really? Yeah. I was looking at that deal. I'm like, Desmond, I think this is a good deal. Maybe I'll do it. He's like, Alan, I need an answer. Maybe he's not a good answer. I'm like, look, I'm overflowed with deals. This is before I set up my acquisition team. You bought that like a year ago. We were in contract for a while. Yeah. And I, I didn't have my acquisitions team set up yet. And then you guys swooped in and got it. I'm like, bastards. But good people. I like Jason. Yeah. You know, your partner, Jason Brightstone. I like him. He's a good guy. So I was like, yeah. best of luck. 
Yep. That's what's nice about this business too. If you could be, it seems like you're very passive. Like you're just, you know, you want, you want to just do good business and make things happen. So you're, you're easy to work with, which is, it's the best to work with people like that, right? The, the hard headed, extremely difficult ones, you hire lawyers for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to really get involved in that at this stage, you know, been through that. You've probably seen enough in the city. I've seen enough, seen it, seen a lot. So you exited your entire portfolio in the city before coming to Long Island. And what made the change to the island? Uh, well, like I mentioned, I started buying some of these workforce retail buildings by myself with 1031s from uh, the portfolio I sold. And I saw that money can actually come in every month. When you buy these things in the city in Brooklyn, there's no cash flow. But you're still buying in the city. I'm, well, I started a fund to go back into Manhattan in COVID. So we, we bought about... $55 million worth of properties in Manhattan all throughout COVID, vacant buildings, which we're going to do a phenomenal with. That was a separate vehicle for the co-GP. But you did that because you were seeing opportunities to In COVID. Manhattan, yeah. There was a, it started with a building on Canal Street that I was tracking for years. The, it was, there was a contract out for $7 million. I bought it for four three. Wow. And then there was another building on Reed Street that was a contract that was out for six. I bought it for 4.6. Because the retail was vacant and no one knew what was going to happen in Manhattan, but I knew these things were just so dirt cheap. And uh, I mean, Canal, I must have made thousands of phone calls to raise the money. Really? Yeah. No one wanted to invest in the heart of COVID when it started. No one, no one was doing anything. You haven't flipped any of these yet. We just started to. Uh, we put three of the portfolio on the market now because the projects are finished. What are you expecting to make over there? Um, it's millions. Millions above the purchase price. You know, let's say an average of two million above our purchase price net. You know what the power of the social media stuff is? It's it builds credibility and it builds a big audience where raising money is almost kind of easy. You know, if I went down that road of twenties, fifties, hundreds, hundred fifties, which I'm probably transitioning into that soon, it's almost easy to raise money through social media because people see what you're doing, the credibility's there, the outreach is through the roof. You know, you have a fantastic track record and people get to know you. So I wouldn't be surprised if you raise money through this podcast. All right. Well, hopefully we'll do it together. We'll throw them into the industrial, which is uh, probably the hottest thing out there right now. If we could get that deal. If we can get that. You know how I, these things I think about work. it every day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Me too, man. I'm actually working on a big industrial portfolio right now. Remember I was telling you I'm uh, building the company, like building that basis and all the people and hiring nonstop and a new office and everything. It gets expensive so fast that I might have to sell one of these. And you said there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Got to be uh, opportunistic. That's just my thought. So what are your, what's your plan over time? Bundle everything up and liquidate? Uh, keep some things. Manhattan was, uh, we did everything there with the, with the eye of selling. You know, we have uh, a lot of investors in there. The Long Island stuff, you know, it's just like you end up uh, flipping out of things, buying some things on your own. Um, just doing really good deals, you know, finding these things the right way, finding what's, them, uh, what's the know. coolest deal you're buying right now? Uh, well, I was just driving all over Long Island this morning. This, I really love this, um, this Patchogue shopping center that we're buying. Patchogue home so, base. What's in there? Uh, it's like 16 different, you know, mom and pop stores, very long-term owned center has very long-term development potential. If we could ever get zoning there. Do you know what stores are in there? Um, and is it in the village? 
It's right on the main street. So it's um, you know, we got the best type of tenants for this, for this, especially for this economy that we're going into. Laundromat, delis, you know, um, uh, therapists, you know, just the, uh, hair salons, you know, best type of tenants. That, that's what I look for when I buy these centers. You know, the workforce, mom and pop tenants where, you know, if someone's paying $20 a foot, they could easily be paying 23 a foot. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference to us. It really doesn't make a huge difference to them yeah. at the end of the day. Therapists. I, we need yeah, more of those. We, we, need, we more, need more of those. Going like, into this like, they, I think they had two different types of therapists. So <laughs> yeah. but, but the parking lot was full. Oh, yeah? So that's also something I look for uh, when I go to these centers now. Is the parking lot full? I don't want to buy things with too much vacancy. You know, I'm just looking for the stable... You know, if we can make 8% on our money and send out our um, distributions, you know, everyone's very, very happy. And what uh, what type of lenders are you getting for this stuff? Um, right now, I'm working with uh, uh, Dansker is our mortgage broker. Okay. And he's bringing us... Uh, I'm working with Republic Bank. Okay. I've heard uh, they're great. Republic Bank is phenomenal. I can make an introduction. I would love to for meet you. them, yeah. Yeah, I had just had lunch with them last week. Awesome. They are uh, phenomenal. Any um, other local lenders on the island? Uh, Northeast Bank. I did a lot in Riverhead with. I've never um, even heard of them. They're, uh, it's a transitional type of lender. Like a bank, but transitional. Okay. Um, who else? And they work well with like the GPLP setup and everything? All of it. Do they ask for PGs on anything? Everything. Everything, your personal guarantee. Everything. Yeah, so do Other, I. Otherwise, you, otherwise, you're not going to get the loan. But then you can't get an investor for over 20% of the property unless he'll sign, correct? Correct. Um, correct. Or you make yourself the only uh, GP. You know, that's what we've been doing now. You have to make yourself the only managing member and then everyone else is technically an LP with certain rights. And they don't ask for them to co- to co-sign no. if they're over 20%. No. Oh, I didn't know that. If you if you make yourself the only um GP. I love this educational course we have going on here. Yeah, You're teaching yeah, me yeah. so much stuff. Yeah, everyone can learn from everybody. Oh, I, mean, I, I take bits and pieces from wherever I can. I have a ton to learn from you. You've been <laughs> through the cycles already. You're in the same game, same market, so and you're taking properties from me left and right, so I have a lot to learn from you. Um, yeah, I mean, Republic Bank, Northeast Bank. I have some loans with Dime Bank. Um, now they're looking at bigger stuff. What, 70% LTV? 4%. Yeah, six, well, right now I'm, I'm closing on, right now it's somewhere at 60. Yeah, that's and, tough. And, and, yeah, it's tough. It makes it very challenging. I'm buying uh, three buildings in the Hamptons now. They're all at 60. Wow. They're office buildings, office retail buildings. They just happen to be at 60, just where they shook out. Because like cash 5%, flow. The cash flow. Wow. Because these are all value add. You yeah. know, everything we want to do is value add. Um, you know, the rents are low. People are paying for an office in the middle of Southampton, a thousand bucks a month. They should be paying 2,000. And that's a 100% increase for you. That's right. like doubling the rent. Right. I mean, and now the interest rates are higher, borrowing close to 5%. Wow, 5%. Yeah, I haven't touched that yet, but I'm it's getting there. It's there, right? So yeah. I'm closing on another building in Southampton, a multi, true multi at four, multi-family or at four. Yeah, apartments? twenty-five unit. Yeah, that's really next week. How yeah. much are you paying for that? That's probably one of the most exciting deals. Seven million. Seven million, 20, 25, twenty-five units. units. Right? Yeah, Southampton. What is that for a door? <sighs> Under three hundred door. It's cheap. How big are the units? Uh, ones and twos. Okay. Twenty-two hundred one North Road. It's like the most one of the most recognizable buildings when you get right onto the highway. Oh, really? Yeah, it's going to be That's closed uh, next week. 
That's exciting. Yeah, that one's one of the more exciting ones. And you're buying a marina, you said. And I'm also buying marina, which is very exciting. Um, a liar saloon in uh, Hampton Bays. Wow. Very recognizable marina. Do you know who bought the uh, the Bordy Barn? No, I don't. I read about that it sold, but yeah. I don't know. It's everywhere right now. It must be a development site, though. It's 100%. Because right? they're shutting... The, they t- pulled the liquor license, I've heard. So that's it. They can't sell anymore. It's probably going to be... Uh, who knows? Something. S- something. Sounded yeah. like a good deal. Yeah. At $2.4 million. Cheap, very cheap, very cheap, especially for for that area. But very cheap. If they would have just let it keep going, but they wouldn't. If they would have, it placed printed money. Right. Have you ever been there? Never. What an exciting place! <laughs> I've never actually been there. I don't drink, and I've been there, and it was cool, wild, one mm. atmosphere. I never um, went to the Hamptons growing up. Couldn't really afford it. Really? <laughs> Where did you grow up? Manhattan. Okay. What do your parents do? Um, what do my parents do? My mother was as a recruiter, executive recruiter. But when LinkedIn happened, that business was uh, no more. And my father's in the um, cash advance uh, business now. And cash advance, got it. And yep. your background was from in finance, correct? I uh, got my finance degree, but I really didn't understand finance, so I had to find something to do. Where do you go to school? Uh, NYU. Cool. So I grew up in Manhattan. I went to NYU. Um, and then started working. But I always worked since I was 15. That was the other thing. I was you were always, always an very, entrepreneur? Always a very hard worker. An entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, I guess you could say. I didn't like start a business at 15 like some of these other people, but I started working at 15. Started working at, a, at, at an office at 16. Wow. So I learned how to you know work in an office environment from a young age, which I think... And your really first jump into business, it wasn't real estate, I'm assuming. Uh, no, that was the first job I had. I mean, otherwise I would have been an office worker, I guess. Oh, so you, you kicked off your, your entrepreneurship journey in real estate? Yeah, like 22 as a broker. Wow, so you've been in this almost 20 years now. Yeah, almost 20 years. But I didn't start at like 18, like some, some, I probably should have started at 18. Yeah. Like I remember I told my brother got his license when he was like 18. What's he doing now? He's a veterinarian. Okay, total yeah, opposite yeah. of you. But he owns like, you know, 30 practices across the country. So he's, wow. he, he's going to probably have more money than all of us. He's one of your biggest investors, I'm assuming? He's an investor, yeah. That's and it was not, soon he's going to be one of the biggest. <laughs> and what do you do outside of New York? Because the trend is everyone's moving out of New York. Um, we have a guy in Florida that's been calling It's uh, and put our system in place. We've been on a bunch of deals, but, you know, the prices there are just... Very, very expensive, just like New York. And, and uh, I understand um, Florida well. My, my wife is from Florida, so I've been there, going there for, I don't know, 13 years. So I get the areas and everything. And it's just, it's hard to compete, you know, between local people, New York people, um, brokers, I think, are calling everywhere. So we've been trying for over a year now. And then we have someone in California where our system... I guess is somehow working more in California because we bought three buildings. What did you buy in Cali? Um, two also workforce retail strip centers, and the other one is a uh, a covered land play where it's a development site. I'm assuming these are easier to manage because it's not like C-class multifamily. Just just like managing a shopping center here, same thing. Really, same same type of thing. You use third party bro- management companies. All third party, and we have a co-GP out. We have a. A guy on the ground who um, my partner Jason knows from growing up, 
he's the acquisitions person, and then we have a co-GP out there that owns 70 buildings, so they do everything with us. So they I think that, that that's really the other part of it, like experts on experts on experts. Miami, I don't necessarily have that other uh, co-GP. I have another investor down there, but he wouldn't be the boots-on-the-ground co-GP person. That's why I'm probably also a little less comfortable. How many people does Hildreth have right now? Uh, right now we have 10. 10 full-time? 10 full-time. Where's the office? On 55th and Lex. Manhattan. Manhattan. Got it. And your partners are Jason Brightstone and Max Padway. That's right. So what's everyone's role in the company? Um, Jason, you know, he's, you know, he deals with corporate structure. He deals with um, the development projects. He really has like a keen eye for figuring out com- very, very complex uh, situations. You know, a lot of our projects are now develop- big development projects. From Riverhead, we got couple hundred units to develop there. Are building a couple hundred units in Riverhead? Well, we're going to bring in partners, but okay. we have to get it in tight. We have to get it further along. So, you know, he deals with that project. We have a ground lease in uh, Mariches where we could build 50,000 square foot uh, self-storage facility, getting Fantastic. that entitled. Calverton were under contract to build a 70,000 square foot warehouse. So he really uh, takes a liking to these complex development projects. Which I'm assuming <laughs> you want nothing... I don't say I want nothing to do with it. I do my weekly update call. We have our own in-house construction management person. Uh, his name is Josh Seiner. He was an architect at a very, very big firm. So now he basically just works in-house for us working on 25 projects. Got it. So I do my uh, call with him every day or two to get the updates. And um, I deal some more with the Manhattan development projects because that's what I used to do. Your renovation projects, I Got should it. say. We're not building from the ground up. The word development, I hate right. it. No, I hate development. <laughs> I mean, the renovation stuff, it's just like I deal with him on that and we go through that. So I deal more, I guess, with the Manhattan. And then what about Max? Stuff. Max is a technology wizard, you know, keeping every keeping the glue together, investor reporting, um, you know, just getting stuff paid, getting deals closed. Got it. That person to close these deals, working with the banks, working with, uh, uh, you know, our social media, not like your social media, but, you know, doing our social media or doing uh, our outreach to sellers directly, sending out the marketing to the sellers, it yep. all flows through Max. Got it. So keeping the database together. It's a lot of work, man. It's an endless amount of work. You know, this is not for everyone, as you know. Yeah. I mean, this is a 14, 16 hour day type of thing. Otherwise, you can't even get to where we're at. Yeah, for sure. Based on rough numbers, you guys are at like three times my scale this year. Uh, yeah, it's great. You guys are killing it. Uh, so are you. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. It's the beginning of my journey, so I'm happy. I'm just happy. You know, that's what's the best right. part of this. Like waking up happy every day and just being excited to do this. It doesn't get better than that. That's right. Right? That's you know, right. when I was trying to find myself, at least personally, it was like when I wasn't happy, it was the worst part about it. You don't want to push, push, push. But I'm, self, I'm very self-motivated, so I, see that. I always want to do more, but then I fell into this sector of real estate, and I just fell in love. You know, the scale is endless, because you could do, it's almost like you're an, you're an entrepreneur, right, but you're hyper-focused on whatever, rentals, right, but then you have your markets, your sub-markets, your tenant types, right, your asset types, developments, renovation projects, it's like there's so many different avenues within the business that you can't not be 
you know, excited or learning every day. And when you're learning, at least me, when I'm learning, I'm happy. Right. Well, that's what makes me happier now is learning different things all the time. Learning about self-storage, learning about laundromats. We're trying to do a laundromat now. Learning about, you know, industrial, learning about shopping centers, which I didn't know years ago. Not just doing the same thing day in, day out of booting out tenants and putting in new ones, but learning all this new stuff. Which is, which is uh, really excites me. Yeah, what did you mean about learning laundromats? Well, we're trying to do like a building that we own, trying to put in a laundromat that we could either operate ourselves or lease back. I've always wanted to have a laundromat. Okay, like, this is something I always wanted because I just read <laughs> like when when things were going down the tubes, you know, in New York City, I was like, what am I gonna do? You know, so I said, okay, maybe I'll start buying laundromats. But this is something I thought of doing in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when the market all when the markets crumble that's when you start really thinking okay what am i going to do yeah you know so that's what happened like 2018 or 2009 2009 what was i going to do i was going to start buying brooklyn queens you know i was going to start looking for buildings with tax liens that was the idea right i was going to start directly canvassing 2018 2019 what was i going to do i'm going to start doing workforce retail but ended up manhattan ended up opening up so just thing you know opportunities just evolve and so the laundromat thing was always in, in the back of my head. And I always wanted a self-storage uh, facility, so I bought one. Now we're building two more. So I had to like teach that to myself. You bought the one in Lindenhurst? In Lindenhurst. And yeah. you guys co you guys partnered up with... Uh, didn't you partner up with that guy? Uh, which guy? We, He's uh, got a couple... Omega? Is that his No, name? he didn't end up managing it. Oh, was, he didn't come I, in? I wanted to, to manage it. I was begging him. I met him there like three times. Because like, I didn't want to... I didn't know what was self-storage or anything about that. He didn't uh, end up managing it. So what do you guys do? We hired a different manager. Okay. How's yeah. that going? Uh, it's good. It's the good. self-storage is fantastic, isn't it? Fantastic. Um, these things are impossible to find. Yeah. Like they just don't trade. Uh, you have to really build them. What so a great find. That was a great find. Um, seller financed. It was just uh, beautiful. Doesn't get better. we're out right now. And then we're building uh, one in East Hampton and one in, uh, and that we brought in a partner to help build it because I'm not going to pretend I know how to build the self-storage facility, even though if I could, I could probably figure it out. I don't want to. Who's your partner on that? Um, He's a guy from the West Coast and a local Hamptons guy. I wouldn't know. No one, no one would know this guy, Um, but he's a builder, builds towers, Wow. you know, so he knows what he's doing. How exciting Hopefully. is that? Like, it doesn't get better than that. That's right. And I'm doing it in uh, Mariches now. Same thing. We signed a ground lease for 55000 a year for 99 years. I mean, it's uh, it doesn't get any cheaper than that. So we have a few self-storage buildings. But I backed out of a number once because people want very high prices around here. Yeah. You know, they want some of these, want $4 million for one acre of land. Where you could build like 200 storage units. You know, you could try to push those numbers to the private equity places, but it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And that doesn't work for like your type of investors or for, yeah, small level, for like us, right? The right. $10 billion hedge funds or whatever might come in and see it differently. I Maybe. Guess. Yeah. Maybe. I but, guess. But we can't know? afford to uh, do deals that are on the, the cusp that aren't clear cut, you know? I've been having this meeting with my team nonstop, like, regularly they're like alan these meet our metrics i'm like these met our metrics a year ago they don't meet our metrics today something's going on in the market we're not going to be the ones holding the bag if everything collapses we need grand slams right now and that's not how i typically talk you know i say base hits doubles i'm fine with it let's just keep moving keep buying and do good but now 
just now, like over the last two months, my mindset has changed. Like we need home runs and grand slams. Otherwise, I don't even want to look at it. That's so exactly the way I feel. I haven't really been signing. The deal velocity has uh, dropped significantly, yeah. which is not a bad thing. I think if we make it through these times, then then people like us will shine over time. You know, it's like you made it through the tough roller coaster, the uh, all this crazy volatility, and you came out on top. Then it's more opportunistic rather than you know just trying to do more business and collect fees. That's right. It's about uh, the opportunity will be there. Does it? it you don't know when it's going to come. Could come today, could come next week, could come in three months, but it will come. Well said. David, thanks for coming on, man. This is awesome. Appreciate it. You're great. Thanks, man. This is awesome.